So turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 22. I want to encourage you this morning to, uh, you've heard that the saying, those who have and those who have not. Well, don't be a have not. The James says that we have not because we ask not. And so a lot of times we're not growing in Christ and we're not getting deeper in our understanding of God's Word because we're not asking God to do that in our hearts and in our lives. We're just sitting there like bumps on a log expecting things to happen. And, uh, and you've got you've to ask. You've got to turn to the Lord. So I want to encourage you to, to do that today and, uh, and to ask God to do something in your heart and your life, not because of anything TJ says or does, but because it's God's Word and God's power and God's authority. Um, and so I just want to begin, uh, stand with me, and we're going to read a few verses uh, from Psalm 22. Beginning in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Let's pray together. God, we come before you asking today that in your word and through your power, you would change and transform our hearts. God, that you would make disciples today. That you would move mountains of doubt or fear or selfishness or whatever kind of sin. And God, that people would become new in Christ and that believers would grow and flourish. And that, God, we would see you do a mighty work. God, we need to shine as your light in this world of fear and darkness. We need to share your resurrected hope in this culture of death. And we ask for that today. Share your resurrection life here today. Overcome our fear with faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we see in this Psalm chapter 22 that the psalmist is in a deep pit of despair in a sense. Jesus quoted from this psalm as he was on the cross. And, uh, and so that got me thinking about how this psalm is a description of Jesus on the cross, written many, many years before crucifixion was ever a thing, before it was ever thought of or heard of. Uh, this psalm depicts our Savior on the cross, crying out uh, to God, as God turns away from Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus, who in His body had never sinned, became my sin and became your sin. And God punished Him. He poured His wrath against sin on Jesus. And in Jesus cries out, Why have you forsaken me? And yet, despite all of that, God is holy. 
God is enthroned on the praises of His people. In verse 6, it reminds us that we treated Jesus as a worm and not a man. He came to His own and His own people rejected Him. The people that Jesus created rejected Him. The cross is foolishness to those that don't believe. People today still treat Jesus Christ like He is nothing. Like He uh, never, like His life never happened. He is scorned and despised. He says in verse 7, All who see Me mock Me. They make mouths at Me. They wag their heads. And you can see that when Jesus is on the cross. And before He's on the cross, when He is arrested, they mock Him and they spit upon Him. And they beat Him beyond human recognition. They, they mock Him. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver Him. Let Him rescue Him. For He delights in Him. And you know, they said that very thing to Jesus. If you are truly the Son of God, get off that cross and save us. And here is the psalmist prophetically sharing this. Yet, you, verse 9, are He who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. So you can imagine Jesus surrounded by the enemies, surrounded by the people chanting, crucify Him, crucify Him. And then try to imagine the spiritual enemies, the demons and the darkness and Satan surrounding that cross. Seeing God's Son being mistreated and unjustly crucified. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my mouth, and you lay me in the dust of the earth. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. So think about that. Jesus nailed on the cross. His hands and His feet pierced. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. And at the cross they did that very thing. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. 
I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of David, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of of Israel. For He is not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him. From Him comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Me. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. For kingship belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before Him shall bow. All who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve Him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn, that He has done it. And remember on the cross, Jesus says, It is finished. It is finished. As we look at this psalm, and I encourage you to to, to prayerfully read it again this week and think about the depths of what this Hebrew poet is sharing with us. But it brought me to the cross this week and made me think about Jesus dying for us on the cross. And then also this time of year, we begin to think about the cradle that Jesus Christ came to this world He is God and He became flesh and He dwelt among us. God left heaven. Jesus left heaven to come to this earth to be treated like a worm. To be encircled by dogs and evildoers. To be mocked and spit upon and and lied about and mistreated. Jesus left heaven to do all those things. And so our our message today is about that, the cradle to the cross. As we think about this Christmas season and we get our hearts ready to remember all that God has done in bringing Jesus to earth, we remember today that before the cradle, when Jesus was in the womb, Mary asked, how can this be? So if you're following along in our sermon notes, that's the first thing you fill out. How can this be? She asked that in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, when she's told that you're pregnant and you're going to give birth to a son. And she declares, but I am a virgin. How can this be since I'm a virgin? God was doing something miraculous and Mary had to believe. 
and had to trust in what God was doing. How can this be? And throughout our lives, from the time we're born to our own death, we're going to face many trials and many difficulties. And we're going to have times where we wonder, how can this be? How can this be? And we've got to remember the cross. Remember that just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He promises to raise us from the dead. Just as God allowed Jesus to be virgin born of Mary, He is a God of miracles. And I can trust in Him from the cradle to the cross. It is okay to cry out that. How can this be? Another person that met Jesus in impossible situations said, I believe, Lord, but help me with my unbelief. And that's what we need to pray. That's what we need to remember. That from the cradle to the cross, no matter what we're faced with, we're called upon to believe. How can this be? Because God is a God that is all-powerful. God is a God that is all-knowing. God is a God that created all things. He is a God that is doing so much more than we can imagine or think. And just as this miracle could happen in Mary's life, God is doing miracles today. We're also reminded on the cross, Jesus cried out quoting from this very psalm that we read, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's going to be times in our lives where we might feel that. We talked about that last week. We've got to be faith-sided. Trust in what we cannot see. There are going to be times when it feels like God is distant, but He is not. And we've got to trust and believe in Him and not our emotions and not our feelings. Jesus is recorded crying this out in Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. Imagine Him on the cross. After hours on the cross, crying that out, why? My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? Is God that He has known nothing but unity, complete oneness with, turns away from Him and punishes Him. As He becomes us, He is our substitute on the cross. He dies in our place. He suffers God's wrath that we deserve. On the cross, Jesus cried, Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From the time we are born to the time we die, we're going to have moments where we feel like. Right now in your life, Satan may be orchestrating things so that you feel that way. So that you feel like God has forsaken you. And He may be using your own 
body and your own situation or your own job or your own circumstances to make you feel like God has forsaken you. Yet the truth that we must believe is that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Remember that today. Hold fast to that today. That no matter how we feel about it, that's not, the, that's not what my faith is built upon. It's built upon the truth of God's Word. Before the cradle, uh, yeah, before the cradle, Mary faithfully declared after she said, how can this be? You know, how is this possible, Lord? She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Physically, it was impossible for her to be pregnant. But she trusted in God. I am the Lord's servant. That is the example we need to follow. Even if I feel like God has forsaken me, even if God is calling me to do the impossible, I say, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Not according to the media, not according to scientists or professors or politicians. Let it be to me, God, according to your word. I am anchoring my life in the word of God. I am believing in the word of God. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And then if we think back to Jesus dying on the cross, He also called out with a loud voice. It's recorded in Luke 23. Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. Into Your hands I commit My Spirit. That ought to be our heart. God, I feel forsaken today. I feel like I'm surrounded by dogs. People are treating me like a worm. Whatever situation. But God, I commit my spirit to You. I know that what matters most in my life, my security comes from You, God. My significance is found in You. Not what people say or what people do. God, into your hands, I commit my spirit. God promises to be with us from the cradle to the grave and then beyond into eternal life. I hope and pray that you're believing that today. I went the other day to help some elderly friends buy a new car. I don't know how I got recruited into that. But anyways, so as we were doing that, um, they kept, they emphasized in the, you know, after they get it, get you sold and you're in the room with the financial lady, she's going through the fine print and she keeps saying, now, wait a minute. Now, what I want you to understand is that we cover defects only. So it has to be basically the the, their fault, and you know they get to define that, whatever that means. If you cause any problems with this car, 
we're not going to cover that. That's not, you know, that's not going to be covered. And, you know, this, so, so you have to pay extra if you want, you know, anyways, they're always trying to get more money. And I just thought, you know, thank God that that's not his policy with us. <laughs> if that was his policy, we're the ones that are wrecking our lives. We're the ones that keep damaging uh, and, and keep doing the wrong things. But that's not God's policy. God's policy is, I'm going to cover you. You're covered in my blood. I sent my one and only son for you. And if you put your trust in me, you are covered from the cradle to the grave and beyond into eternal life. And I want to challenge you today. Are you trusting in God from cradle to the grave? Is that your trust? Are you hoping in him? Because the bad news is you're going to die. And we're in a society where every day that's emphasized. The virus could kill us. We're going to die. And we're afraid of that. But Jesus said, we don't have to be. You're covered. If you're trusting in Him, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you don't have to fear death because He promises, though you die, yet shall you live. So hear that today, because if you die in unbelief and rebellion against the God you created, there is no better place for you. And it doesn't matter how many cliches someone may say at your funeral or how many flowers they may buy. You're not going to a better place. The Bible is very clear. Without Christ, we are eternally separated from a place where there is no God and there is no hope. And there is only punishment, just righteous punishment of God forever and ever. It is a place that God didn't create for people. He created it for Satan. But it is a place that people who reject their God and reject the Son, Jesus Christ, will go. Have you trusted in God from the cradle to the grave? Are you His servant are you striving to faithfully live according to the Word of God? That's why it's so important you know what you believe. We don't want you to have a luck-based faith. Maybe I'll get there, maybe. We want you to know you have eternal life by knowing the Word of God. By being faithful to live according to the Word of God. Taking up your cross, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ. Are you his servant? Have you trusted your spirit into God's mighty hand? What matters most is not your body. God allows bad things to happen to good people's bodies. God allows good people to suffer in these bodies just like evil people. A lot of the psalmists struggle with that. Because what matters most is not this flesh. This flesh is momentary. It's temporary. What matters most is where we spend eternity. Our spirit. Have you entrusted your spirit into God's mighty hand?
As we close our service today, we want you to think about that. From the cradle to the cross, are you covered? The enemy is surrounding your life just as the psalmist describes in 22. In Psalm 22, he, every day there's a spiritual battle for you, for your mind, for what you're going to worship. Are you going to spend your life in sin and selfishness to be separated from ever for God? Or are you going to spend your life in worship, in adoration of God, in trusting your life to Him? The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Know that verse. And when you read the crucifixion of Jesus, God sent His Son to be crucified for us so that you and I might live, that we might believe, that we might have hope that no matter what we go through in this body and in this world, we have eternal life. We have a hope in Him. So Michaela, will you put up those, that prayer? Let's think about this prayer together. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't asked Christ Jesus to save you, if you haven't made a covenant with Him, and we talked about the importance of a covenant at men's Bible study on Wednesday night. This is a covenant with God. It's not a willy-nilly thing where, God, I'm going to like you when I feel like it, when I want something, and then when I, when, I don't like, when I don't want something, I'm going to do my thing and live in the world and live according to however the world tells me to live. No, it's a, God, I'm turning away from this stinking world, and I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to put my hope in the Son, Jesus Christ, who loves me and who died for me, and I'm going to find my security in Him, and I'm going to find my significance to Him until my final breath. That's what we're talking about. That's a covenant with God. That's a saving relationship with God. And that's what we challenge you to make today. Don't trust in, in something the world's trying to sell you. My Savior died for me, and I'm going to live for Him. Pray that. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ to save you, if you haven't entered into a covenant-saving relationship with Him, in your own words, get real with God right now and say, God, I need You. I believe You love me and You sent Your Son to die for me. Tell God, I believe only You have the power to break the stronghold of sin in my life. Sin has a stronghold in your life. Ask God to break that stronghold. Confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one name that can save us, and that is the name of Jesus. And believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess that you've sinned against God. Tell Him in your own words and then Make that covenant today. Today, I'm trusting that Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all my sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. And then praise God today that by grace through faith in the risen Savior Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. 
The old is gone, the new has come. God, we just thank You for this time to open Your Word, to think about Your death for us on the cross, Your miraculous birth, and to thank You that we can put our trust in You. God, I pray for those here today or those listening online that are living in deception and that think that you are a fool and that you can be mocked and that they can one day say, I'm, I'm living for you and the next day, oh, well, I'm going to live for the world. God, break that deception. It's not true. It doesn't save. It sends people to hell. And move in a powerful way today that your truth would resound and that people would be saved and that disciples would be made and God that we would be on fire for you in this time of darkness in this culture of death that we would share the life-saving message of Jesus Christ and God if there's someone here today that needs to make that decision public give them the courage to come forward and to take a stand for you today God, to get right with you today. If there are Christians here that are living in sin, convict their hearts because we need them shining with your light. We don't need that light under hidden. We need that light shining for you in this darkness that we live in and help them today. Encourage them today to repent and to get right with you and to leave here shining and ready to serve you in this week to come. As we close today, God, help us move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together today. And if God's calling you for prayer to make a public decision, I'll be standing down here to receive you.